Hi everyone, it's Allison again on the Emotional Abuse Recovery Podcast. I'm here today to give you some practical tips that you can use to help you tame the triggers. I like to say that I tame my triggers because there are times that I still do get triggered. I know this is because there's something stored in my mind and my body that I haven't worked through yet. And when you have experienced any sort of long-term trauma, triggers show up in the form of complex PTSD a lot of times. Complex PTSD is what happens when you've experienced a trauma over a long period of time. PTSD is a little bit different because it's when you experience a traumatic event once and still become triggered by that event even after it has passed. This would be something like a car accident or a break-in at your home or something that was a really traumatic event. So they're very similar except for one is when you've experienced that trauma over and over on a long period of time and the other one is a one-time event. The thing with triggers is that the memories from the past are stored in our bodies in such a way that our sensory perception will just jolt us back to the past And we will feel like that memory is happening again and in the present moment. And if you've ever experienced this, you fully understand that it seems to come out of nowhere. It seems like there's no way to prevent it and there's no way to stop it. But in today's episode, I'm going to tell you some really helpful things that you can do to start managing your triggers, to turn off the switch or tame your triggers. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Emotional Abuse Recovery Podcast, a podcast specifically designed to help you heal after a toxic or narcissistic relationship. This podcast teaches you to use your subconscious mind to go from feeling stuck to set free. In here, you will learn how to use the power of your own mind to free yourself from emotional pain, move forward with confidence, and experience the inner peace you deserve in your healing journey after emotional abuse. I'm your host and subconscious reprogramming coach, Allison Dagny. So let's get started. Okay, so I'm just going to dive right in. I want to invite you to get out some paper and pen or pencil because what I'm going to be sharing with you isn't going to be what most people are talking about to help with triggers. First, I want to talk about the source of our triggers, and that is trauma. Trauma is stored in somatic memory, but can often manifest physically as well as emotionally. The body and the mind work together. So some physical signs of trauma in the body you probably recognize are fatigue, poor concentration, forgetfulness, headaches, maybe gastrointestinal issues, racing heartbeats, panic attacks, things like that. And the emotional symptoms would be things like fear, anger, guilt, anxiety, hopelessness, self-doubt, regret, like you could, you name it, like anything that is surfacing as an emotional response. So you probably already know that you can actually release trauma in physical and emotional ways because a lot of people already talk about how you can release in physical ways, I'm going to talk about how you can release it emotionally because that's what I do. I'm an emotional healing coach who works with the subconscious mind. If you already do physical trauma release work, then I encourage you to keep doing that, especially if it's been successful at helping you get relief. And this would be things like meditation or breath work, 
um, EFT, emotional release, tapping, yoga, any technique that helps you reconnect the body and the mind. These methods can be really, really helpful for releasing stored trauma in the body. And I've done these things and I've tried each of these different strategies to help with triggers in the moment and they do work. They do help. If you've done them before, keep doing them. And if you haven't done them before, you might want to give them a try. So if you have experienced the emotional symptoms that I described before, you've probably felt these intense emotional exhaustion, these mental fatigues, these emotions that feel out of control and rumination. This is usually where people will go to a licensed therapist or to an EMDR therapist to get help. If you have experienced trauma, finding someone who is trauma-informed is going to be really beneficial for you too. And then pair that healing work with the other tools, the other techniques, the coaches, and the support. Making this a well-oiled machine and using all the possible methods you can is going to set you up for the best success to heal and tame the triggers. So because the mind and body are so interconnected, it can often be really difficult for someone to be able to tell which symptom is appearing, right? Is it emotional or is it physical? For instance, let's say you're eating in a really unhealthy way because you're stressed out. Those eating patterns can affect your stomach, can affect your digestion, or maybe even your sleep. And similarly, how a headache can be caused by stress, but the pain could worsen because the headache makes you further stressed out. So it's a cycle, you know, back and forth between body and mind. And so many times this ends up feeling like a cycle where the mind and the body are working against each other instead of for your greater good to heal. Okay, so if you've got your pen and paper out, I want you to write down your name in the middle of the page and then circle it. Now, all around the outside of that circle, I want you to write down things that trigger you. So you might write down something like, for me, it would be in the past, text messages from my ex, sad songs, seeing his car, social media posts, spending money, whatever it is that triggers you that you know triggers you, that's been a trigger for you in the past, write those down. And you might not have time to do it all right now on this um, episode, but what you can do is you can come back to it. Here's what's really important. You can avoid certain triggers. For instance, if you are triggered by social media posts, you can avoid getting on social media. But some triggers are unavoidable. And for those, we must get to the root. Now, you might have to come back to this, and that's totally fine. I'll just explain how it's going to work, and you can follow along as we go. So first, just try to identify as many triggers as you can. As I said before, you just want to figure out what it is that triggers you. And I'm sure if you've ever had a trigger, you know what this is. Some things you won't be able to identify at all, and that's okay. Just focus on the ones that you can identify for now. Okay, so as you look at the middle of the page with that circle around you, I want you to visualize yourself now with a big bubble around you that cannot be penetrated. Nothing can get inside this bubble unless you decide you want it to come in. Everything else will just bounce right off of it. All those triggers that you put outside that circle cannot get in to trigger you. So you might be wondering, well, how do I get a protective bubble like this? Because everything triggers me. And I'm going to tell you how. First, I want to tell you a story. So I experienced a lot of financial abuse by my ex. 
I wasn't allowed to buy coffee. I wasn't allowed to buy fast food if it was not on the dollar menu. The nicest purses I owned were from Goodwill. And this man was bringing in multi-six figures every year. We lived in a very nice house and we lived well, well below our means. But he controlled what I spent. He looked at my receipts from every shopping trip. I mean, even the grocery store. And if I went over budget for the weekly groceries, he would threaten to take my credit card away. This went on for 20 years. So you can imagine the CPTSD, the complex um, post-traumatic stress disorder that I had when it came to money. I was afraid to spend it. There was a lot of fear around that and what would happen if I did what he didn't want me to do. So fast forward to when I was separated from him. I went to the grocery store to buy food for me and the kids. Remember, he's no longer in charge of me. I do not report to him anymore. We are not together. I filled up the cart. I checked out. I headed to my car and I started putting the grocery bags in my trunk. And as I was placing each of them in the trunk, I got this overwhelming feeling of panic. I was about to have an anxiety attack and I had no idea why it was happening, but I knew it was. I had had these before and you just know when they start to come on. I could feel my heart rate speeding up and my breathing was getting shallow. My vision was getting cloudy and my hands were like starting to feel numb and tingly and everything felt like it was closing in on me and I knew I could not have a panic attack in the grocery store parking lot. I've had these triggers before and I've had panic attacks before. And if you've ever had one, you know you cannot have a panic attack in a grocery store parking lot. So I'd been working on my triggers for a while before this had happened. And I knew that they always come from something, even though it feels like it's out of nowhere. In this case, it was a trapped memory tied to something bad. So I immediately got into my thoughts before the panic attack took over. I realized at that moment that it was the first time I had ever spent over $200 on a weekly grocery order in one one trip. So I stopped loading the groceries and I closed my eyes. I braced myself and I talked myself through this. I said things like, he's not here, I am safe, I'm free to spend my money how I want to, I give myself permission to buy the things I want and need for my family. So I was literally acting like if someone else were there trying to help me through it, I was that person for myself. And I'm sure there were other things that I said to myself in that moment too. The self-talk and the inner mind work is the only reason I didn't end up in a pile on the blacktop heaving and sobbing in a panic attack. I realized later that the reason I was verging on this panic attack from that trigger of spending more than usual was because of the meaning that I had given to the purchase. So what I mean by this is there were lots of things in my subconscious mind that were running on repeat without question. Um, Things like I am wasteful, I'm bad with money, I'm inconsiderate of how hard my husband works. I'm a bad person because I don't think about how my spending affects other people. I can't do anything right. I shouldn't have access to spending because I'm irresponsible. So you see, these thoughts were in my subconscious mind. They weren't true, but they were still there. And they'd been there running on autopilot for years and years and years. So what I want you to understand is that your subconscious mind drives 95% of the show. I knew logically I wasn't wasteful. 
and that I wasn't bad with money. Consciously, I was aware that this was not accurate thinking, but my subconscious was way stronger. And when my ex told me these things and I started to believe them, well, you can see how it was always going to win out against 5% of the conscious mind because 95% is what drives the show. And this happens with all kinds of triggers. All a trigger is, is a trapped, painful, or scary memory that gets tapped into when something reminds you of it. And it's usually not just a general reminder. It's something that your brain has stored. So if you see something that reminds you of something traumatic, that is going from your sight into your brain. If you smell something, that is also a way it can trigger you. If you hear something, if someone says something, sound of someone's voice, all of these things are how your brain works to store memory. And then that traps that trauma in there, which then releases as a trigger. But here's what a lot of people don't know about triggers. They are caused by your thoughts. And here's what I mean. Let's say for 15 years, your husband came home through the garage door and you had to rush to make sure everything was in perfect order in the house, that dinner was on the table, that the kid's homework was done, that everything was how he wanted. The trigger becomes the garage door opening sound. It's like Pavlov's response. So the sound of the garage door means something to you. It means I'm going to be abused if everything isn't perfect. It means I'm going to be criticized if I don't have dinner ready. It means I can't handle difficult conversations. It means I'm not good enough. Whatever it is that it means in your mind, that will stay with you. And until you make it mean something else, anytime you hear a garage door opening, you could be triggered. So over time, a trigger can lessen naturally if you hear a garage door opening, but usually that would be because the negative meaning that was attached to it is replaced by something else and typically something positive or non-threatening. Like let's say your roommate comes home and brings dinner every night and comes through the garage door. For the most part, triggers have to be tamed. They don't just go away, but In certain cases, maybe they lessen on their own when it is replaced by something that is more positive or non-threatening. So what I like to do personally is get ahead of my triggers so that I don't have to handle them in the moment and lessen the times I have to experience them. If you're skeptical that you can't tame your triggers or get a hold of this, I really want you to think about this because it's important. After doing subconscious reprogramming, at the time of this recording, I haven't had one single trigger in over a year's time. Not one. Getting ahead of triggers is like me telling you I'll give you a million dollars if you can make a full cart basket free throw at a moment's notice. I mean, you might be like, I cannot do that. I would. I I don't think I could do that even if I tried. You won't know when it will happen, but it will be soon. That's what I would tell you. If you knew that, what would you do? Would you sit and wait for me to tell you it's time? Okay, let's go. I'm going to have you shoot your basket now. Or would you go out and start practicing ahead of time? Because when that time comes, you're going to want to crush it, aren't you? It's a million dollars. This is the same with triggers. If you knew you could practice and get ahead of them, 
Wouldn't you want to do that? Would you want to avoid these panic attacks in the middle of the grocery store parking lot or at dinner with your parents or, gosh, just sitting on your couch while you're watching TV? Triggers can send us into a frenzy. They are emotional and physical responses to something that could seem so, so harmless but carries so much weight. So let me ask you, have you ever practiced getting ahead of a trigger? My guess is probably not, and not because you don't want to, but because you either never knew it was possible or because no one ever taught you how. So I want to teach you. So get out that pen and that paper again and write this down. Look at that piece of paper where you wrote down the triggers around your name. Now let's say that you wrote one of the triggers was seeing a car like his. Then what you want to do is work these one at a time. What does it mean if you see a car like his? Then write down all the things that that means. You can even write down, and this will be helpful too, I'm feeling afraid, if you can identify the emotion, I'm feeling afraid when I see a car like his because that means what? And fill in the blank. Does it mean I'm going to be followed? Does it mean I have no privacy? Does it mean I can't protect myself? Only you know what it means, so you have to get to the thought work to figure it out and write all the things it means, not just one thing. If you hear that garage door open, what is it that you're thinking about most often? What is it you are believing in that moment? Is it that everything needs to be perfect? I need to be perfect. I'm going to be hurt or his needs matter more than mine. These are all types of beliefs that could be in your subconscious. You have to be the one to start bringing them to the surface. I don't know what those thoughts are for you because everyone's will be different. It's vital that you discover what they are. A really easy way to do this is to start journaling because it will slow down your subconscious mind and help you reach those beliefs. Okay, so now that you've identified the beliefs, you can start to reprogram them. And as I said before, you're getting ahead of the triggers. You can literally start to tame them and eventually turn off the switch. It does take practice to do this, but it is so worth it. The rapid reprogramming process that I used was created and trademarked by Diana Johnson of the ThoughtWork Institute. She trained me and she trains all kinds of coaches so we can all help our clients to heal. And I've used it for myself, my clients use it too, and it's helped hundreds if not thousands of people. Okay, so the next thing you want to do is take the belief you wrote down and then be open to the exact opposite of that belief. You don't have to believe it. You don't have to take on this new belief. You just have to be open to the opposite thought being possible. So if you said things have to be perfect, you would flip that around to say things do not have to be perfect. And if you start feeling resistance sort of bubbling up to this, just think about how you would respond to a dear friend or your closest family member if they were in your position. Isn't it true that perfection isn't real? Now try to show your mind some specific examples of how things do not have to be perfect. Remember that time you and the kids had a water balloon fight in the backyard and left a mess of balloons all over the yard? Remember how fun it was? The giggling, the laughter, the sunshine, right? So you're showing your mind these specific details. That certainly wasn't perfect, now was it? Remember that time you made your grandmother's recipe and it didn't taste anything like how she made it? But it was okay because you tried. 
and you felt closer to her just by reading her handwriting on the recipe card and trying your best to recreate that amazing recipe. You might even recall the smells in the kitchen, the sounds and the tastes. So you see what you're doing here is you're breaking the connection between things have to be perfect in your mind and strengthening things do not have to be perfect. And here's why it matters. When you break that connection, the sound of the garage door won't be able to trigger you as easily because you have released the belief that things should be perfect. Now you would have to do this for every single belief that you came up with for this particular trigger, but that's okay. Once you identify them, you can do this for each individual belief. So what happens is it's not your automatic thought process anymore. You've broken or you've loosened that connection from the sound of the garage door opening. The reason it's important to show your mind specific examples is because the language of your subconscious mind is stories and images. It doesn't understand just plain old words. So if you tell your mind, I don't have to be perfect because nobody is perfect. That's how your conscious brain communicates. And that is only 5% of what drives the show. But if you show your mind examples like your grandmother's recipe and the backyard balloon fight, the subconscious mind understands that because that's its language. It sees and remembers the stories and the images that you show it. And then it says, oh yeah, I totally see that now. We don't need to be perfect. And when that happens, the reprogramming happens. So just remember, the triggers don't just come out of nowhere, even though it feels like they do. And believe me, I understand because I have been there. There is always an underlying belief that causes it. Triggers can cause sadness, anger, frustration, fear, guilt, really any emotion that is stored in your body from a traumatic event or trauma over time. Let me ask you, if you knew this worked, wouldn't you try it? If you knew you could get ahead of your triggers so they didn't happen to begin with, wouldn't you want that for yourself? For me, it was about getting back control. I felt completely out of control when I was triggered. I felt like my ex still had his grip on me, even though we weren't even together anymore. I just didn't want to be under his control, even from a distance. Here's one other thing. There will be times that triggers pop up that you couldn't get ahead of them. These are things that you never thought about and they just happen. It could be a smell of burning rubber from a traumatic event in your past. You couldn't know that it would trigger you, but you can prevent them from happening a second or third or fourth time. It could be the weather. It could be a storm. It could be literally any number of things that could send you into a triggering moment. But what's important is that you identify it. Then you go through the same process I described today. What are you making it mean? And once you do this, you will release the subconscious beliefs that are creating that trigger. And now you have a switch to turn it off. And if it's not a full stop switch to turn it off, at least it gives yourself a dimmer to tone it down. 
If you would like to work with me on a deeper level with this, just reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram, or you can send me an email at allison at wentearsleavescars.com. I'd be happy to give you more information and we can see if this subconscious reprogramming work is a good fit for your needs for support. Thank you for being here with me today in the Emotional Abuse Recovery Podcast. I hope you found value here with me. If this podcast episode was helpful to you, I'd love for you to hit subscribe and leave me a review. My goal is to help you go from feeling stuck to set free. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook, and you can check out whentearsleavescars.com for more resources and information to help you with your own emotional abuse recovery. Until next time, here's to believing in